Michigan Hockey Cast 5.19, where you better stick around to the end because everything is exciting. Michigan played two much closer games than anticipated this weekend, I would say. We kind of teased into the hockey cast last week that, you know, you want to play Wisconsin because they're they're not as good. And you think, not that you're going to have like a bye week, but it's not going to be as intense as, say, the previous few games. And they were not that. They were much closer and uh, Michigan came close to losing at least one of them um, but rescued sort of both of them right at the end and well won the second game right at the end rescued the first game right at the end and so I sit like right at the north end of the press box and like around the corner is where all the scratched players are and when Fantilli scored before the goals waved off, waved off and then um, Holt scored for the winner, and then uh, the the actual tying goal. Like all the players are up, and I mean, of course, they're going crazy, but they just turn into this like mob that's like jumping and bouncing around the press box, and it's generally one not something you see in press boxes, and two, you know, not something you. I, I guess I didn't really expect to see that from like the players, but it was really cool because they were obviously super invested in all that stuff, but. Um, so you just see them just like bouncing around over there. And it was just kind of a cool sight to see. Have you ever had like a celebratory impromptu excursion like that, that you just, it just happens and you're all of a sudden realize that you're in it. Uh, like you've been in things before and like or in more. a press box. No, no, no. Just anywhere. I mean, like if you, you, you know, hit a walk-off home run in Little League or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there's just those sorts of things that just kind of happen. Or you're watching a game and all of a sudden... Like, I remember in, in the Penn State game in 06, every time uh, football... Like, we were sitting so high up and it was cold. Michigan had really good defense that year. They were just... They were a really fun team to watch. And, like, when... Every time they scored, like rows fell on other rows so you just got like people jumping and then they hit the people below them and it wasn't it wasn't overly dangerous but it was like you know there was just sort of like this thing and you but you didn't really care because you're like yeah you know we scored a touchdown all this stuff and like that kind of a situation have you a a a instance that you participated or were participated did people just like when you were a kid were you like picked up and like carried or thrown around as okay I, as a big touchdown i have a good story about that all right uh so we were at the uh maglio home run right that was the penn state night yeah 2006 yeah so uh we acquired tickets i don't remember how because i was seven but <laughs> but you always remember those things now that like i don't know the inner workings of okay. that part of the story so anyway we were there, and the the story here is that after the game was over, we were walking back to the car, and we got out to the intersection there where uh, Woodward and whatever that street that cuts 
uh, on the side where you go down like the tiger's lot or whatever. Like near near the fox or right, you yeah. Have the fox on the one side. And it's the T intersection yeah. there. And we were walking right up to the corner there, and this random guy came over and picked me up. And <laughs> like an said, attempted kidnapping? Uh, well, he just picked me up, and he said, "This is the greatest day of your life." <laughs> oh, were you terrified? No, I don't remember being like terrified. My parents were like, "Whoa." <laughs> Were you, were you screaming and like, yeah, random guy? I don't really remember what my reaction was. Okay. That's a, that's a pretty good story. So you remember it happening, but you don't yeah. remember what yeah. you did? So after... Uh, my memory of that day isn't like super lucid. Like, okay. My like crystal clear memories of things begin in like 2011, roughly. So a little bit further. Um, at when Jordan Poole hit the shot, where, where were you for that one? We were at the house. Um... And so you weren't calling it or anything? No, we didn't send a crew to Wichita. Uh, it wasn't. It was too far <laughs> to be worth it. Like, oh, Apparently not. <laughs> um, plus, it's Wichita. But anyway. Um, Kansas hate over here. And Kansas City, Kansas is like decent. Um, but, yeah, we were just standing around the TV. Okay. And that was one of those, like, oh, moments right like that's so we were sitting in a friend of ours basement there were six of us and brian and i were there and a handful of other people and like it was late for that one right yep. like it was not an early game and and it was like a really big moment because michigan was a two seed right they were a three a three seed and you know that you shouldn't shouldn't go out in the second round when you're a protected seed yeah, in but theory houston was really good sure they they i remember they were like top five in uh like torvik in like the last two to three months of the season yeah. they were really hot well and after that their program got really good and yeah. is now like number one but anyway at that time you didn't always understand that and you and that was a good michigan team that had a chance to go someplace they had a nice bracket things were starting to break their way sort of it wasn't until like the next day that the bracket really opened up because remember the, the next day is when, but they got a good draw um, yeah well the next day is when like um UNC lost. Remember, they got, right. they got bombed by A&M the next day. Right. But, they, but, I mean, you look at their bracket, and they got the right one seed and, you know, all of that yeah, stuff. It was Gonzaga, it was right? Xavier, I think. Oh, yeah. I might have, I'd have to look that up. But. but, anyway. So, it was just, like, there's a lot on that, and there's a lot invested. And, you know, it wasn't like a team that wasn't really that good and wasn't really going to go anywhere. You kind of thought, okay, this team Yeah, it was Xavier. Can Gonzaga play. Gonzaga was the four. That's why right. I remembered that. And... Sort of the same thing happened where, you know, the group of us just ended up in this crazy jumping six-man hug that just sort of bounced around our friend's living room. And the funny thing is, is like, that's that group of people isn't, like, the most touchy-feely, huggy kind of folks. So you're just all of a sudden in this with people that you don't really like. Hug. You know, there are people that you just go up to naturally. And you're just like, oh, yeah, you give them a hug when you see them. This is not really that crowd of people. And um, it just was... It just was pretty, you just didn't really realize you were there. Like you were just, you, you, it happened and you're just in this other state, almost like you kind of rose out of your body and are watching this happen. But We anyway. had one of those on the watch along on Thursday night when uh, Minnesota beat Rutgers. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was probably the highlight of the watch along on Thursday night because it was nothing that happened after that. Well, I sniped it too. I looked yeah, you looked over. Four <laughs> seconds left, and I was like, oh, here they go. Shot for the win. And the funny thing is, is we were rooting for Rutgers. 
Yeah, well, yeah. But it didn't matter. In the end, it turns out <laughs> anything could have happened. So anyway, I was happy for the guys. That was a that was a cool moment. I thought for not just for them even though you're it's a weird thing too right because you're like well all right you're playing wisconsin and we should be walking them and we're not and then we win in a like a glorious sort of walk off or tie the game and then get a walk, sort of walk off and you know it's it's weird that they put like obviously this is college hockey so they don't have another option but like right like in the other sports like the the scratches aren't just like right next to the media like they get placed well, in a different sometimes they're in the stands yeah they're placed in a I different mean, like, area so, like, the opposing scratches at Yoast are, like, below their radio broadcast in the southeast corner in the stands, which is also on the odd side, wouldn't you say? Like, you just have a ticket to the game in a bad seat. Or not a bad seat, but, like, you know, you know, not a great seat. Uh, I mean, they don't have to be put next to a beam that they can't see half the ice, so. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, Maybe. Maybe. All right, we can get into talking about the game itself. So Friday night, it's a best of three series, obviously. Friday uh, kind of starts with a bang, as literally, as Samuskevich kind of enters the zone relatively harmlessly. I don't even think he was in the house. He was sort of above it. It was a one-on-one, one-on-two or something, pulls up and just fires a shot that, like, goes bar and in from the top down. And, like, I mean, that's, like, the Samuskevich shot that we talk about is like that's what he does as well as anything is he just shoots the puck really well and this is one of those snipes that like you know I'm not going to say the goalie was completely ready for it because I wasn't really even expecting him to shoot at that time but I don't think anyone's really saving that shot or or did you think that was a bad goal I mean it was a decent shot it was a decent shot it was okay (laughs) I mean how much better of a shot could you have um, I mean, it was just a, it was just, it's one of those where, like, obviously it's a really good shot, but reflexively, you're always going to say, like, we just can't give up a goal there. It's one on two, you know, yeah. putting it on the net while there's a change going on and he's shooting from way out. So, you know, again, it's, we, we go down this rabbit hole all the time Yeah, where every great goal is also one a goalie should have in, in theory, right? That like, Yeah. It's I, every great shot, right? No, I agree with that. If you're going that. post and in, though, uh, from distance, yeah, I mean, I, that's a it, very it different situation. It wasn't as bad as the one on Saturday night. Well, but yeah, the the Fantilli third one, yeah. No. You know, if you're Wisconsin, you're going back to the drawing board, you're talking about what could we have done differently, you know, preventing the one unscreened perimeter shot each yeah. night probably would have helped. Yeah. Well... Wisconsin, especially and- because Michigan just got sat on for like the first twenty minutes. And well, after they, that, yeah, and they only and their only goal was like this one that was like very random, and so you're kind of looking at that and you're just thinking in the back of your head, like, man, Michigan should be. And I kind of wonder if sort of that was, you know, because you kind of come into that game anticipating because the last time they played that Saturday game, Michigan had like five goals in the first period, and Wisconsin wasn't even on the ice. I mean, yep. it was just a it was just a demolishing and. And so then that shot goes in for Mackey, and you kind of wonder if, like, oh, yeah, here we go again. Pretty much. And you wonder if the team also sort of had that reaction a little bit. And it turns out that was not going to be the case, as after a Fantilli penalty of a slash that probably wasn't a slash, Sam Stang 
grabs a loose puck in front of the net and kind of has a backhand flip as he's going to his left. And I believe it goes off of Keaton Pearson, who's sort of on the other side of the crease and into the net. Um, you know, maybe Portillo could have frozen the puck first or, or gobbled it up or, or tried to grab it. But I mean, that's sort of just a unlucky break for Michigan as he banks the shot off of the defenseman. Yeah, not not too much to really fault there. So it's 1-1, and then Wisconsin gets another goal. Uh, Michigan kind of gets stuck in their own end for a little while. They just can't get the puck out, can't clear it, and you get sort of a, a shot from straight away through traffic that just is a, a seeing eye, looks like, and gets into the back of the net. Again, that's not really something that I could really see that Portillo did something wrong or even that the defense, you know, you, you want the puck to get out of the zone for sure. But, um, you know, sometimes those shots just kind of get through. And, you know, we saw that the week before against Notre Dame where Notre Dame gets a couple of sort of lucky break goals early on and it sets a tone for the rest of the game. And Wisconsin kind of has a 2-1 lead before we really know what happens here. Yeah, that one there's like really not a ton that you can talk about in terms of just a shot from way out through a ton of bodies, whatever. I mean, at least the first one, you know, there's a scramble in front and you can say, oh, they, they should have cleaned it up or whatever in theory. But this one, there's not even that to talk about. Yeah. And then the sitting on that you described earlier ensues as, you know, halfway through the period. So Michigan has that first shot right away and scores. Halfway through the period, shots are 9-2. to two. So outside of that one snipe from Mackey, they, they really didn't generate a whole lot. Um, so they're down 2-1, to one, not really doing a whole lot. And I think the most interesting part of it was that this was not the Wisconsin we'd seen at Yoast like a month ago. Like their protection of their own house and their ability to slow down Michigan in the neutrals, or not even just in this chunk of the game that we're talking about, but you extend it out the rest of the game, was rather impressive because, you know, we haven't we haven't really seen that from them. Uh, they played with a lot of life and a lot of purpose, and they had energy. I thought they, on uh, the forecheck, were really um, aggressive. They were on Michigan. It, it felt like that first period they had an extra step under them. Mm-hmm. When we went to the locker room after the first period, it's kind of like, Michigan's playing pretty badly, and like Wisconsin yeah. is all over them, and and this there's not a lot to be happy about in this first period. No, um, Fantilli then gets another penalty, a high stick. Now I saw people debating this one. I thought the first one he kind of raked the the hands a little bit, like a tap. Um, I guess probably by the book that is technically a slash, and this one technically is. A high stick. Did you have an opinion on it? People on Twitter, the internet, were calling it a bit soft. but There were just so many penalties during that sort of stretch of the game where things kind of then turned into, I don't know, there, there were a lot of uh, kind of iffy calls there for that little stretch in that first into the second, you know, that halfway through the yeah. first into the second period. Michigan got a power play at the end, and it did not go well either. So they're going into the break first break down two to one and it's just kind of not because it wasn't just what you're expecting it wasn't just that michigan was trailing but you know they'd given they'd been on the penalty kill three times in that first period and it was just kind of like well it seems that like fantilli is getting a bit of a reputation now and 
he's getting calls. I, I, I was thinking I was talking to Zook about it, and he was saying that if if he gets ejected from one more game, then he gets suspended for a game because he has too many at the yeah. Point. I think if you get three, so I think Michigan has a number of guys on two. So I mean, I would guess that you're probably not going to see as many majors in the NCAA tournament. You don't see too many of them, but we did see one last year in that. Uh, I remember what game that was. It was the first round game. Was it AIC? No, no, no. Oh, it wasn't a Michigan game. It wasn't a Michigan game. Okay. game. It was okay. like the team's best player got thrown out like one minute in. Really? And that one was minute. Why, and that was like why they have changed some of the like, like they're planning to not call as many this year. Apparently the, the Big Ten did not get the memo on that one. but Well, in the NCAAs at least. Uh, they, don't, they don't want that to happen again. So we start the second period and, you know, Brindley gets a pretty decent chance early, but Michigan just, again, not really winning a whole lot of battles. Um, you know, they had a puck deflected that almost went in. It just went wide of Portillo. So, I mean, Wisconsin's on the verge of, like, extending the lead. Um, but then things change a little bit as you start to get deeper into the second period. They start getting a little more extended zone time. Not really the chances yet, but um, you can see them actually possessing the puck a little bit more, which is something that didn't happen in the first period. Of course, they were when you're killing multiple penalties it's very hard to keep the puck for stretches um but then they finally catch wisconsin on a breakdown where casey gets the puck kind of from straight away walks down to the top of the slot and just fires one in and beats mcclellan uh to make it 2-2 and at that point it's like okay now game's back on and um you know maybe michigan is sort of overcome the little bit of lull that they maybe fall into in the first period well the real hero here is dylan duke because you get a puck battle in the corner, and they dig it out. T.J. Hughes makes the pass across, and then Duke goes straight for the net front. And you got Casey walking down, and he probably doesn't score if there's not a screen there. Yeah. But it's a perfect screen right in front, and boom. And so, 2-2. And the funny thing is, is, you know, Duke had that goal against Michigan State at LCA probably, you know, what was it, like a month ago now. And... I don't think he's scored since, and he, maybe he's gotten a couple of assists, but he hasn't had the presence that he'd had, you know, to start the year. He he was very, very strong on the score sheet, and then he had, like, that goal. And since then, he hasn't done anything as much. Um, and this was a good example of something that, you know, just working hard, doing your job, and you, you just because you're done on the score sheet doesn't mean that, you know, you're not impacting play. No, I mean, you know. There's a lot more to the game than just scoring. <laughs> Hashtag analysis. Uh, so right after they tie the game at two, um, they take the lead. Uh, Gavin Brindley is circling kind of through the house slot area, dishes over to Fantilli, who's below the dot in the opposite sort of Ovechkin spot, and he just fires a shot and and beats McClellan again. Um, that was a, I thought the pass was really good from Brindley and then the shot was just, I mean, that's, that's Adam Fantilli. Yeah, this is the, that's the Ovechkin spot for left shots. Um, the weird thing here is that Wisconsin, their forwards all bolted out of the zone real fast and they, and they turned it over. I think it was on a foot pass ahead. Like they all bolted out. Like a out. kick pass? No, like the defenseman flipped it up in the air. Oh, a flip a, pass. And then all gotcha. the, then all three forwards like, oh, let's go get it. And then it landed at the feet of the Michigan defense, and then they quickly, you know, passed it right up. Actually, no, they were going off for a change. That's what they were doing. Okay. They caught him in the long change, and then you get three on two the other way. And, you know, Wisconsin, 
uh, slides back a little bit. They don't take away uh, that pass perfect setup, and uh, you know, and, and that was bang bang. That was sixty four seconds apart, and yeah. all of a sudden it's three two, and and they'd gotten they were starting to get the cycle set up a lot better there in that uh, in that period, and so you could really felt like they were starting to kind of assert control uh, a little bit. Portillo then shows up and makes a really, really good save in front of the net on a, on a close close play, and then has another one where Michigan lets a guy walk down the slot, and he makes another big save uh, once he's gotten the lead now, 3-2. Um, and then we get to the Duke penalty. And, you know, this I didn't really find this to be overly debatable because, you know, the puck is in the air, and Dylan Duke is at, I think he's just outside the attacking blue line, and... A, a skater is coming at him, and he he kind of like jumps at him as the puck is coming down, almost like a jump ball, and hits. I thought he hit him in the head with his shoulder or something, um, but he definitely left the ice, left his skates, hits the guy, and you know is that a is that a penalty or a major penalty in the NHL? Maybe not, probably not. So I think it would have been. Because, you do well because he jumped. Okay. You're not allowed to jump and and hit someone. Okay. You're not allowed to leave your feet. Like that was so that'd be like charging or so, something, so, right? So it used to be a thing. This would come up with Cronwall's hits back in the day because Cronwall wouldn't jump, but Cronwall's hits were probably the hardest hits anyone ever hit in terms of the force of contact because he would start skating into a guy. Mm-hmm. Like Scott Stevens, a lot of times would just step in, or mm-hmm. like what Truba is now in mm-hmm. the NHL. Like a guy's coming through fast, and then you step into them, so it's a hard hit. But it's only one person's moving at, at high velocity. Right. Right. Cromwell's hits were always the guy was coming up the, the wing, and then Cromwell would see him turn his back and start skating as fast as possible backwards. And so it was basically just two freight trains that hit each other at top <laughs> velocity. And those were just such immensely hard hits that both players left their feet because the force of contact threw them off the ice, basically. Yeah. And so you would get people that would say, like, oh, he left his feet, he left his feet. And it's like, no, he didn't. It's just. He hit him, and then they hit so hard, it blew them off their They skates. were just both <laughs> obliterated, yeah. yeah. And so there were times that he would get suspensions because they claimed he left his feet, which he did not, to do the hit. So, I, you know, in the back of my head, I was always, I'm always like, no, you cannot leave your, you know, I just right. remember that reflexively. And so then when I saw this one, I'm like, well, he jumped into him. Yeah. Like, that's, and you know, and, and maybe he is playing the puck or whatever, but I mean, like. The thing is, not a lot to argue on that one for me. No, I, I agree with that, and I'm not really sure what the upside of his play is here. Like, what are you trying to win? Like, obviously, you're trying to win a puck battle, but you're not in like a, a position around the net or anything. It's the play might even be offsides, depending on the way that the puck bounces, right? Because it's right at the blue line, it's in the air. There's not really anything going on. I mean, it's a play that you can kind of like just play the puck down and gain possession and either dump it in or or pass it back but like to try to jump at a guy when the puck is coming down is like you know we talked about it last week with sort of the Fantilli reach back hit in the face like should that have been a major I don't know but why make the play like just assume those things are going to be majors now and if you have a a potential controversial hit or play that you're going to be involved in because of an action that you take, like just really try not to do those things, right? Yeah, I mean, it was just another 
And it and the funny thing is, it's it's. Remember last year we were like, oh, it's like Nolan Moyle or it's Garrett Van Wye or it's you know Keaton Pearson, like the same guys that are always sort of doing this. And this year it's like literally everybody. I mean, there's the Fantilli part of it, but like, I mean, I wouldn't ever said like that's not going to be Duke. Like Duke never seemed like that kind of a player who who kind of takes those hits or whatever. And then you're just like, well, what what's going on? Yeah, I mean, just looking up NHL. Uh jumping and like there's plenty of examples of guys getting suspended for jumping into hits okay so that is yeah i mean i look i was in some private discussions with people this weekend Ooh, private and uh, i don't think we uh we're still in the season so i i don't think we're ready to have some conversations about uh broader points with coaching and things but like i don't think you can conclude anything other than this is like a coaching thing like i'm sorry <laughs> it's getting it's getting harder <laughs> I would. I mean, I don't really go They're to press in a league conferences. League of their but... own in terms of of these hits. Uh, when you look across the the NA, you know the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, we've watched other games and like, um, you know, Minnesota had those two against Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, Minnesota is one of the least penalized teams in the country. Like, yeah. it was one night it got away from them or whatever, yeah. and a couple guys did. But like, this is just it's constant. It's one a week. It's, it's constant. It's from all the different players on the team. It's, and they're all, you pretty much every one is um, a gay misconduct then, too. Well, and, and the thing about it is, we went through this last week, and I'm not going down that road again, but... <laughs> I'm trying to bait you here. It turns in, and so there's someone that asked me about it that isn't, that is a Michigan fan, but isn't necessarily plugged into the day-to-day thing about Michigan hockey. And they were like, well, I just see on Michigan hockey Twitter, it's like, everyone's always upset. And I'm just like, okay, the hooting jackals are not worth <laughs> engaging with. <laughs> I mean that's probably true in any any and, facet of and life. The fact of the matter is that the the discourse on Michigan hockey Twitter, I think, became from last season. Where last yeah. season you had a lot of like weird ones, yeah. a lot of weird uh, things, and then that convinced people that all of them were conspiracies and all of them were blah 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 blah. And that this year, I, I just don't think that. Like, there's been a couple that were maybe iffy, but like. The last three, four weeks, we've had one each weekend, and every time I was on the broadcast Friday night, and I saw that, and I'm like, yeah, it's a major. Yeah. Like, There's it, it, no question. Sorry. Like, I mean, do you think there should be gay misconducts added to those, or is that just like... I, I don't know. I'm yeah. Like, I don't... I I have no idea what the threshold is that's, for that, and it doesn't seem that they know either. So. Well, yeah. That's that's sort of my All point. I can tell you is the five-minute part. So, Wisconsin gets their five-minute power play. You know, and this was a, it's, it was a frustrating point because Michigan had worked their way back. They weren't playing really well. They had come into the lead, were taking control of the game, and then, like, this happens. And not that you're, like, absolutely terrified of Wisconsin's power play, but, you know, killing five minutes against anyone is, like, you know, well, you go into you're that, probably going to give up a goal. Yeah, you go into that situation, I said at the time, you just have to give up one or fewer. So one or zero. Yeah, you can't give up two. Okay. You gotta give up one or zero, and they give up the one. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Although it's not a great play overall. Like I, I didn't love giving up this power play goal in particular. Well, the, I thought their their kill was going decently well, and it then was fine. and then Hughes gets beat in the corner. A guy kind of gets around him and dishes the puck uh, in the middle of the slot where uh, decent fall is, is there, and you know I think that like. The defenseman kind of got sucked down to the bottom part of near the crease out of the slot, and because of uh, you know Hughes getting beat on the boards, and then that you know 
well, leaves I, to the open shooter. I, I, yeah, but. This, this one's on Karanen, uh that defenseman in front, because you know he's in a tough position. You have a, a, a guy coming around the corner. Your pair partner needs a little bit of help. Well, the biggest thing. What's the one thing you cannot have happen in that situation? Let the puck go through you. Yep, and get to the slot. Yep. So, so if you're going to step in, and you, you got to make the play. Yeah, and when you watch it, he's he's puck watching a little bit, and yeah. in his body, he's got his body turned in a way that's not taking away the puck. I think in that situation, you want him to turn horizontally to take away that passing lane, but instead he's standing, you know, like vertically, and so he's not really doing anything. He's just standing just there in the way, kind of. So they get their one. It's three to three. Um, and then, you know, Portillo made a couple of saves and he saved another one timer after the goal. I mean, that Wisconsin was going for the lead. And so I, you know, he, he gives up a lot of goals in this game. I had trouble like really finding fault with many of them. I mean, we say the, the thing a lot of times of like, you know, at some point you need a save. Well, yes, that is true. There are also a number of times where he did make the save and Mich- Wisconsin could have had eight. So uh, if I'm a coach. I'm saying this isn't really at all on Portillo. Yeah. I, mean, I thought this was a wretched defensive performance it both was, nights. It was, yeah, I thought the next night was better, but um, better being a relative word to <laughs> what, what Friday was. Um, it, it's still, though, you know, Michigan's going to come back and take the lead before the period ends. They get a, a power play off of a checking behind from behind call, and you had just have a really nice play between... Two really great players, Luke Fantilli or Luke Hughes and Adam Fantilli. They have a give and go where Adam gives the puck to Luke, gets in the slot, dishes back to Adam over by the dot, and just beats him, uh, McClellan again. Kind of the same, basically the same thing on the return pass um, as the Brindley feed to him just minutes earlier in the period. And I mean, Fantilli just kind of wills this team back into games and just scores gobs of goals. We broke some news on the broadcast on Friday night. Because, you did. Well, I, well, I, just, I just read it. That's why we, we, we follow you is for your breaking news headlines. Well, no, I was uh, – during the game, Tom Fitzgerald was giving a press conference and said that when Michigan season ends, Luke Hughes will be joining the team. Oh, yeah. And so I, I you know, broke that news on the, on the broadcast. And uh, there's – you know, this play is why. Yeah. This is the, the – Power play quarterbacking uh, upside of Luke Hughes, and he, he just makes a really nice feed to draw him pressure and and get it across. And, you know, Fantilli's <clears throat> now second goal of the game from that exact same spot. So it's 4-3 to three Michigan going into the third period. Um, you know, Michigan gets a power play coming out of the third, don't really do anything with it. Um, and then you have one of Portillo's big saves of the year where he gets all, he goes all the way across. I think he's on the right side, gets back to the left side of the crease, makes a diving lunge and just gets there and makes just a great save on what would have been an open net. I mean, that was at the time it was the game saver. Um, it wouldn't last long though, because Wisconsin was going to come back with more goals. Edwards and Casey, well, Edwards has kind of some issues behind the net, loses a puck battle, turns it over, and then the puck somehow goes through Casey on its way out to the slot uh, where DPS is open again and scores. Is that his third at this point? I think that's his third. He had three of the first four, I believe. The Department of Player Safety with a hat trick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, this is what can you say? All you can say is that this is a very, very bad play from the two defensemen. Yeah. Like it, it's one on two. And <laughs> the puck goes through both of them. Well, Cruz Lucius, I mean, Ethan Edwards has it. Cruz Lucius just rips it right off his stick. Yeah. And then he puts it right through the legs of Casey. Yeah. He's just standing there. And, and, you know, Portillo's expecting the play to be coming this direction because right. that's the way Edwards is, is skating. And instead, the pass goes through the backside, and he realizes it slides over, but he's just a little late. I mean, again, there's nothing about Portillo there. It's no. Like, you can't turn the puck over behind your own net. One I mean, on two. I mean, yeah. you know, that's <laughs> it was not, and then not great. Luke Hughes has the puck in the offensive zone by the blue line, and it gets poked away. And all of a sudden, Wisconsin has a two-on-O, and Dominic Mersch comes in. And beats Portillo on a. I mean, it was a it was a two on zero because the second guy in was a Badger, but I mean, essentially, it's sort of a breakaway because they're not coming in together; they're coming in staggered. And Marsh just just beats him, and you know, Portillo makes a lot of saves on odd man rushes and on breakaways. We, I mean, he did the next night, but you know, you get beat sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is that of the five goals in this game, this is the one that's probably, like, the most on him of all of them. <laughs> a 2 on 0 <laughs> Because it's not, yeah, it's a 2 on 0 but it's not a true 2 on 0 in the yeah. sense that they're not, you know, sometimes you see that, you know, true 2 on 0 where, where you pass it passing back 15 back times. Yeah. And, okay, you know, this is essentially just a breakaway with the threat of doing the, the Mitch Marner drop pass between the legs move, which they don't do. It's just essentially a breakaway, and, and he gets beat, whatever. But, uh, again, it's like... <laughs> Luke Hughes is cutting across the blue line. He's got Pearson sliding down the wing. If he gets him to pass, Michigan very well may score a goal because Pearson's coming down that wing. There's a huge gap between the first and second defenseman. You've got a player on the far side sliding down. There's a cross-seam pass for, like, an easy goal if that pass is, gets to Keaton Pearson. But it doesn't. And The thing that you just mentioned about Pearson, though, is that if he's cutting up the wing into the defensive zone or the offensive zone, and Luke Hughes has the puck at the top inside the blue line and turns it over, your other defenseman's already gone, and you turn the puck over, and, I mean, now you're... Now that's how you get two on O's. So, I mean, I think that's how Michigan plays, and I think they want their defensemen to play that way because they can pass and shoot and score really so well. The, I think what you would say here is that... You need a little more puck support. The problem is, again, the play you're sort of drawing up, it's it's just one of those like do-or-die type things. It's yeah. like when the goalie goes for the poke check on the breakaway. Because the guy that you're saying to prevent this rotating up to provide support is the guy that, if this play materializes, is the one tapping is in the goal. The reason why they, yeah. So it's it's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's good, it, good stick work from the Badgers. They, you know, they poke it free. And that, that was like, what, 22 seconds? Let me look at this. It was, 19 seconds. It was pretty soon afterwards. Yeah. And that was the first odd man rush I believe Michigan gave up in that game. Because they give up one a little bit later um, when they're on a uh, – no, it's what puts Wisconsin on the power play is they get a breakaway and Edwards takes a slashing penalty. And so then Wisconsin gets a power play up a goal – um, Michigan, I thought, got a little bit lucky on this penalty kill because it looked like Wisconsin had some chances, but they just didn't fire right away. The puck jumped some sticks. Things weren't maybe as crisp, but you could see openings in Michigan's penalty kill, and even, like, they got the puck across before Portillo could get there, but the guy wasn't shooting right away. And Because you see the play materialize, and you're like, oh, that's that's dangerous. 
and then nothing happens because I guess, you know, there's ice and it jumps a little bit, but. Well, this was a tough penalty time because it came with 6.07 remaining yeah. in the game. So it, it's going to. That's a third of the game. But Michigan got several shorthanded looks off of it. I mean, they, they played a very aggressive sort of gambling, the old power kill style approach. And it almost got them a shorthanded goal. And it also almost led to a power play goal. That's what happens when you load up like that and you take more chances. But in some ways, you kind of have to, to some degree. Maybe if it was a little bit later in the game, it would be more justifiable. But. You know, it, it uh, you were running short on time. Uh, Fantilli had a really nice backhand to Brindley after that, right in front, and it hits the crossbar. I know you so, and your partner were debating on if that went in or not. Yeah, Nick was really, uh, he was really of the belief that, uh, that that was a goal, but it, it didn't look like it on replay. We never saw a replay, though. Yeah, So well, BTN Plus. Well, and then Seth was on Twitter after the game saying it went in and was, you know, trying to zap Rooter the video. But uh, it, it did not look like it went in from the, the video I saw. Yeah, it didn't look like on first glance. but So that Michigan's really close. And then they do get the tying goal, and this is where it gets fun and controversial, as Fantilli, I believe, gets his hat trick. From the same spot. From the same spot. And I looked up, because I'm down on that sort of north end, and you can see down there... I was counting, and there's like, well, there's six guys celebrating because they pulled the goalie. And then I look back up the ice, and Portillo's still on the ice. And I'm like, well, so Portillo was like, he must have been like almost at the bench, right? Well, he's still on the ice at some in some because, fashion. So what happened really was, where I was, I have an obstructed view of both <laughs> ends of the ice. And so I'm in the offensive side where yes. Michigan is. And... I was like, oh, six on five. Here we yeah. go. And then I ended up looking back a few seconds later and saw that Portillo was like just then leaving. Mm-hmm. And so I basically told my brain, like in the you know back of my mind, I thought, well, I must have just miscounted. <laughs> because like it's just very rare that like everyone misses if there are, you know, six skaters too early for like five to ten seconds. Yeah. That's a lot of time for no one to notice. And because typically if they don't, then like the other team's bench starts like going crazy. Right. And then the referees like have to call it or whatever. Well, it was like the Canadians Bruins. Canadians Bruins, 1979. Yeah. Um, and so when the goal went in, I actually didn't think there was going to be a review because I had just convinced myself like there was no way it could have been that obvious and no one saw it. Um, but, I, you know, you go back and if you actually watch the BTN Plus stream at 2.16.21... Uh, you can see six skaters visible in the offensive zone. Yeah. At two sixteen twenty five, four seconds later, the announcers say, "Here goes Portillo," <laughs> which means he probably left earlier because the angle that you're looking at is down to the right, and he's coming from far to the left. And so, be- by the time he enters your peripheral vision, he's he will have. It was probably between five and ten seconds. But somehow, the guy was already in the play. Like, it wasn't, like, one of those, like, missed time changes where, like, the guy gets on a, a second or two ahead. Like, the Kadri goal in overtime yeah. where he, like, kind of no, comes this, off yeah, the bench. this was not marginal. Like they, yeah, they this were, was... Again, they were. this was one of the most flagrant 
six on five. <laughs> it was just a seven on five. Yeah. It was just a seven on five. And so I was like, I think that's seven. And like people are what? You know, we're talking about it a little bit and we look at it. And so they... the weird thing about it was we were right next to video coaches, right? Yeah. And I was looking at them and I was, you know, saying thumbs up, thumbs down. And they were like, oh, we don't know. <laughs> and so then I was like, well, this might stand then. Like it couldn't have been what I saw because it was so flagrant that like, how do they not know? Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe they were just lying to me. You never know. But <laughs> do you get lied to a lot? <laughs> so it's you think that Michigan's tied the game, they don't. Um, but have no fear because then they do. As it look, it looks like Rutger got a whack at the loose puck in front and got the goal. Is that what it was? Like it was kind of bouncing so around. They, they gave it to Samuskevich initially, right? And then oh, that's right. He because he takes a shot. No, and no, then, uh, no, he's in the slot. It's here, I'm, I have it pulled up right here. It's Hughes over to the wing, and then yeah. So Samuskevich takes the shot, and then right. So yeah. So they say it initially was just off Wisconsin, but then on replay they determined that Rucker did touch it. Yeah, because it lo- the way he reacted, it, it looked like Brindley. Yeah, because Brindley, Brindley and Rucker are right, and Rucker there. Are right there. There's four looked- Badgers. They're all whacking away at it, and you you can sort of see that. It, it, that he like, that the puck changes direction. You know, mm-hmm. It's whacked at, and then boom, it goes off a skate and then deflects in. And there's like, what, 24 seconds, 25 seconds left. Um, and then the six man jumping hook ensues, and we go to overtime. And I think that I sort of had the thoughts as soon as like that puck went in, I was like, either Michigan puts the puck in their own net, or they completely fall down, or they're winning this game. Like, Wisconsin at that point hadn't really generated much that Michigan hadn't given to them or turned over or, you know, provided them with a great opportunity. And, you know, this was probably only ending one way. And it basically did because, you know, Fantilli had an open net, but his shot was blocked. And then Moyle had Mackey and his shot just went wide. Fantilli almost scored on a baseball swing that he almost knocked the puck out of the air, but it was saved. So you just have, like, all these chances for Michigan. Portillo did have to make a save a little bit near the end. But then of all the guys on the team to get the game winner, you get Steve Holtz from straight away. After his initial shot is blocked, it recycles back around to him, and Steve Holtz wins the game in overtime for Michigan. Yep, Rucker behind the net, low to high, and shot through a ton of traffic, and it goes in. And... uh that was, I mean, Michigan was clearly the better team in overtime. And, it, and probably down the stretch in the third. Well, that score effects. Well, okay. But, I mean. They accomplished their goals and they had their chances. You, you have to sort of judge it based on, like, when you're saying better team, you have to, like, keep in mind, like, when the team's objectives were different. Sure. Um, and in overtime, their objective were the same. Well, that's score true. Score goal. And Michigan throttled them in the overtime. And they got the deserved win. By the way, it was my big moment because Here, big moment. Here we go. I tweeted uh, about it after the game, a version of, like, how can you not be romantic about how? Oh, yeah. And I got a retweet uh, from several high-profile accounts. Oh. It ended up getting over, like, 300 likes. That was kind of random. Wow. So, or not as random. <laughs> I just, well planned. You never really know which tweet. You were, were you playing for it? Like, where you're like, oh, this is going to be a good no, one. No, I was just like, oh, this is neat. Okay, and then uh, and then it uh, made the rounds around hockey Twitter, the hockey circles, not just college hockey, but all wow. of the hockey. 
So go back and like Alex's tweet and really <laughs> jack it up to four or 500 now. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back and talk about Game 2 and then uh, other happenings in college hockey, the Big Ten, and otherwise. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Michigan gets the 1-0 series lead on Friday night. And, you know, Wisconsin played really, really well to the point that you couldn't imagine them playing a lot better. And yet they still lost. And sometimes those games are just super deflating for a team. And then they come out the next night and just get walloped because you're like, well, we did everything right and we still couldn't overcome. And so I kind of went into this game thinking, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see Michigan kind of walk over them because they gave everything and then it just wasn't good enough and you know they're probably their season isn't really going anywhere anyway you know there's rumors that the coach could be fired I mean like the program is kind of crumbling downhill and you kind of give your last stand and you do it really well you execute you take your chances you get you know the goals when you need them and then it's just you know doesn't really happen did you did you have thoughts or feelings on that or were you thinking well Last night was close. It could be close again. Uh, my feeling was Wisconsin was probably just going to get trounced. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, obviously. Um, so the game starts, and you know Michigan starts a little bit better. They get some chances early, um, and Mo Jared Mo is playing this game. So he's the guy that played for Wisconsin the majority of the year. But then they bring in Kyle McClellan in Game 2 against Penn State in the regular season finale, and he, like, makes has a 47, 48 yeah, save. Yeah, I mean, he goalied them, and they stuck with the hot hand. Right. And then it, you know, didn't completely work out, and so they go back to the guy that they've had, and, um, you know, he was, he was ready early. Uh, Portillo had a... <laughs> did you see his wandering mess that he made in the first in the like early part of the first period where he goes behind the net has the puck on his stick facing I think the west side of the rink and is looking to pass to somebody but there's nobody there so uh, a badger comes at him in front of his face and he shoots the puck at him and it gets deflected and goes out in front of the of the crease in the slider and you're just like what are you doing and Frank Nazer comes over and like pokes the puck away right before a badger's able to tap it in and uh that was you know, we haven't had a Portillo goes a wandering moment in a while, but that was 
That was a big one. Uh, yeah, that was a very strange play. <laughs> and yet not overly strange, because we've definitely seen it happen a number of times. Not, you know, to the point that it's alarming or that, you know, I don't, you know, because, like, remember last year it happened a couple times and people are like, he can't ever leave the crease again, you know, like, oh, where are you yeah, going? That always and, happens. Yeah. That's the, the Steve Dangle quote that's, like, the dumbest thing of all time. Which is what? If you're a goaltender, tend the goal. <laughs> is that what he said? It's just like, shut up. <laughs> like, like, just. If you're an analyst, make some analysis. Yeah, Don't like, tell us what to do. Yeah, like, you can ask Jack Plant, not really because he's dead, but like, oh, well. what hockey was like before goalies came out behind the net to stop the puck on the dump in. Answer is you lose possession a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why they started doing <laughs> it's it. It's part of the position. Like, There's a reason why they implemented the trapezoid. Yeah. Because yeah. it got to the point of where goalies would just go wherever, play the puck, and, you know, the NHL it, wanted to... It really helps your team yeah. to have the goalie play the puck. Like, you can't just staple the goalie to the, to the post. <laughs> just give him, give him a leash, yeah. like where he's tied to the crossbar. <laughs> like invisible the, fence. Yeah. Invisible goalie fence. Yeah. So this one starts similarly again, then after that too, um, as, as it did on Friday with Michigan getting the opening goal. Uh, Sam Oskevich is kind of coming down the left wing and has a really nice backhanded pass through the slot to Rucker McGordy on the opposite side, and he fills the open net. Um, it's, you know, maybe Wisconsin could have, should have gotten the stick on it, but I thought it was a pretty nice play from Sam Oskevich to set up McGordy, and McGordy just finished the play. Well, that's a beautiful pass. And we have the, about halfway through the first period, it was basically the inverse of the night before. I think the shots were 9-2, to two, Wisconsin on Friday. And on Saturday, Michigan had, was controlling play a lot better than they were the previous night. Um, this time they were up 9-2 to two in shots. And, you know, it's kind of going the way that we anticipated until Nolan Moyle decides to rough up Jared Moe and get a goalie interference penalty, giving Wisconsin their first power play. Um, and so... This was a really interesting play because I thought that, you know, I think it was, I want to say it was Fantilli, I want to say Brindley was the other forward, and then Ethan Edwards. And they did a good job, like, breaking up the zone entrance because the guy gets the puck in the zone but is kind of checked off of it, and Edwards makes a nice play, scooping it up, wheeling around, and then he's going to get rid of it, and he clears it, except he doesn't. He throws it right to a badger who's sitting at the blue line who picks it off, you have basically a tic-tac-toe of passing and an open net power play goal, and it's one-to-one. -one. And it's just, you know, it, that's a little bit of the Ethan Edwards experience because we've seen him be really good at times, and you see his speed. You know, he passes the puck pretty well. He can shoot. He scored a few goals this year. But then sometimes he just makes a bonehead play like that. I mean, you remember the lake, the game in, play in the Lake State game where he's trailing his guy and he goes behind the net and his guy goes in front of the net and all of a sudden he's like separated from his man and the guy in front tips the puck in and Edwards is just behind the net for no reason. And it's just little things like that that, you know, if you just fix some of those little mental errors, you know, he's on trajectory to be, I think, a really good player. They're just a few kind of mistakes like that. I mean, the big thing is not saying the turnover. It's the fact that there's no defense being played uh, on this possession. I mean... Well, they take the puck away. Well, sure. But, okay, this is the same thing we've talked about a lot of this year, right? That, especially early in the season. I mean, although, we'll get to that later. But the manner in which Michigan makes these plays become much more dangerous than they need to be, right? You mean after the turnover? Right. 
Yeah, but you think, but in this no, place, so, so, so here's here's the picture, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very visual podcast. This is not inherently dangerous. There's three badgers. There's three Michigan guys. That should not lead to a tap and goal. Well, there's four badgers. Okay, sure, but that guy's in the corner. Well, there's a guy over there with him. Well, right, but he's going to come so in. So it's a three on two. Well, not really. Right here you have three guys. <laughs> this should not lead to a tap and goal. I, probably not. Look, you get you get. Pass, yeah, I, I don't know where Holtz pass, is going. Pass, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. T- turnovers are are a bummer. But this isn't like... <laughs> well, they shouldn't happen. So it depends. Well, no, they're going to happen. Oh, not... Okay. They, they can be limited. All right, all right. I'm not saying all turnovers should never happen. I'm saying in that situation, when you win the puck and you wheel, and you wheel around, you should not pass it to a guy. The way... No one is forcing you to eject the puck from your stick. You've got to, like, not give it to a guy at the blue line. The way that I view this kind of thing, and we've seen it pop up, is the, like... When a pitcher gives up a two-run home run in the first inning or whatever, and, like, can you limit damage? Can you let things stop from unraveling? Defensemen yeah. are going to turn the puck over, and it's it's a hard position to play. It's going to happen. Okay. And, you know, there are some turnovers that are much worse than others. Sometimes, you know, it's it's one that just directly leads to a you know, goal because you get stripped behind the goalie's watching the other direction. He just wraps around it in, whatever. But in this situation, we've seen this happen this this season, where Michigan makes three on twos and four on threes yeah. and things like that lead to tap in goals. Yeah, and that should not happen. That that is very preventable if you are playing one ounce of defense. So these are two different things that we're talking about. You have a bad turnover by Edwards, and then compounding that is like you have Steve Holtz kind of leaving the one side of the ice and crashing in from the right side into the center because it looks like the guy on the opposite side is getting, the Michigan defender's getting beaten by that attacker. And so he comes over to, I don't know, I don't know what he's going to do because the guy's basically going to be at the crease by that time anyway. And so the pass comes across and the guy that Holtz was near originally before he vacated the right side taps the puck in. And yeah, that's that's not, how you play in zone defense. No, it's just a mess. But so you get plays. It, like I said, I thought they played it really well. They get the puck on the entry, give it right away. And then the defense just kind of crumbles. You know, I don't, I'm not sure what you do. You, you have to be better than that. I mean, but you know, we've seen these kind of plays happen from Michigan, like you said, and I don't know that it's always one player. I mean, Holtz had his share of kind of gaffes throughout this weekend and last weekend, um, but you know, he's not the only one. So it's one to one. And, uh, then Marcus Stapa gets kind of taken down right after that. Michigan gets their first power play and fant- <laughs> you know, this was, this was a, one of the weirdest hat tricks I've ever seen because Adam Fantilli fires a shot from sort of that dot area and it hits Luke LeMaster and goes in short side, and I mean, you know, Jared Moe has no chance on this one because, you know, the puck just hits a defenseman on sort of the outside shoulder and deflects in, and I mean, what do you... I don't know. Yeah, watching this, I thought it was actually a pass for the back door. It it could have been, because I don't think this was going on frame. No, it was not, and it goes in off a skate. <laughs> uh, it was a, yeah, maybe it was a skate, but yeah. So it's 2-1 to one Michigan off of an, you know, an accidental goal, I guess you would say, um, and... You know, the period's kind of closing down, and right before the end, Fantilli again, you know, the puck, he, he's just sort of always in the right place. And that's, like, 
part of it is some 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 luck. Part of it is just being a good hockey player, knowing where to go, and taking advantage of those sort of opportunities. He parks himself in the slot. The puck kind of comes in, pinballs around. He gets a couple of whacks and just kind of chips it up and over Moe's pad inside the post. And, you know, it was a pretty harmless-looking play because Wisconsin had some guys there. They're kind of tussling, and he just sort of wins a puck battle and gets a nice bounce off his stick. So you got a shot from Holtz kicked out, and the Wisconsin D is taking a page out of Michigan's playbook, and I we've sort of seen them struggle with at times, where the defenseman's trying to skate it, skate with it in front of his own net. Yeah. And then a beautiful poke check, and boom, quick bang, and it's in. Three to one right at the end of the first period. And it didn't, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's over, but you're like, oh man, you know, Michigan's really going to have to like crumble here. It's sort of like what we predicted. We thought Wisconsin was going to get trounced after that first period. Expectations pretty much on point. And we start the second period, I believe it was like 31 seconds in, where, you know, Fantilli sort of entering the zone on the wing, gets to about the point, the puck comes up to him, and he just sort of fires the puck at the net. I, I wasn't convinced he was even shooting it. I thought it was maybe like a cross, a cross ice dump in or something, um, but it goes in. <laughs> so he has a hat trick in six minutes and tw- 48 seconds, I believe. And you could see like they, they zoomed in on him and he was like kind of smiling and laughing, but he wasn't really like excited. Like usually you score a hat trick and you're, you know, doing some sort of Michael Jackson dance move on the ice and and, and celebrating. He just was kind of like, yeah, all right, well, I don't didn't mean to do that almost, or, you know, that wasn't supposed to go in. How did that go in? Kind of a reaction. Yeah, there was the internet scouting community. Oh, yeah. Was tweeting its usual, like, oh, Fantilli did it again. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, uh, wait till you see the goals. Well, yeah, I know. They're all kind of <laughs> like. Like, obviously, Fantilli's an extremely good player. He's yeah. probably the best player in the country. All this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, like, this is, like, the funniest night to be, like, Fantilli is winning the Hobie. Yeah. <laughs> Shots like that. With, like, yeah, because two of them are, yeah, two should of- not have been goals. And the third one is, like, a kind of a lucky bounce that he gets, You like you said, a nice poke check. He makes a nice play on the second one. But, you know. That's a that's a Dylan Duke goal, right? Like that's just a mm-hmm. garbage man in front of the net type of play. So it's four to one. Just and and this is where you know we've seen Michigan basketball, right? Where they're just winning a game, kind of in control, and then you're just you're not waiting for this to to go sideways the same way you do in, in sort of like the basketball games, but. You know, you can see Michigan start to take their foot off the accelerator a little bit, and it's like, okay, we crush or we we got away with them last night, and we're crushing them. We're even getting like all the good bounces. Like this is just our night, and you know, Wisconsin, to their credit, stayed in the game and kept fighting. I think that hockey is the sport, along with football, where it's the easiest to run into like major score effect problems when you have a significant lead, because. Baseball, like, unless you just decide to put in all your worst pitchers. Like, <laughs> or just you try to get out. Yeah, your approach is not really going to change. Yeah. And in, in basketball, like, if it's later in the game and then you decide, well, we're just going to take 30 seconds off the shot clock each time, then that can change. But if you're 15 points up with 15 minutes to go, you should not be, like... You're just playing basketball. You're just playing basketball. Yeah. Right? But football, you may decide, oh, we're going we're gonna to run it. Yeah. We're going to try to minimize turnovers and yeah. stuff like that. And in hockey, similar story where... A lot of times some teams go into, it's time to shut the game down. We're just going to, you know, neutral zone, trap it and chip and clear every time with like 35 minutes to go. It's like, that's way too much time. Yeah. You can't do that yet. Um, 
And so, and especially for this team, I mean, it's been less of a story in the second half than it was in that first half where they were blowing a two-goal lead every weekend. But, like, it's still got to be in the back of your mind. And then, you know, they they got uh, whatever you want to say, maybe a little complacent, and then it, it opened that window up for Wisconsin, and then they really picked their game up. Well, and halfway... Th- good second period. Yeah, and halfway through the second period, and I guess that would mean halfway through the game as well, you know, it was 4-1 to Michigan, but shots were 18-17. So it wasn't, like, heavily favored. You know, Michigan got their goals and yep. were fortunate, got some puck luck, um, but Wisconsin wasn't getting blown out in terms of chances and, and attempts on net. It was, you know, they just couldn't buy a goal yet. And... um you know, until kind of late. And and this is where, you know, the Michigan defense kind of comes back to haunt them again, where, you know, they, they alternate power plays. Um, Moyle actually gets a breakaway on a, on the penalty kill with a chance to really kind of seal it at 5-1, but he, he can't finish the play. Estapa actually was following him off the rebound and, and put his shot wide. Um, and then Wisconsin, or Michigan took another penalty. So it's, five on three i think that was a too many men so they they were on a five on four and took a too many men penalty which i mean i don't know do they have more majors this year and and game misconducts or too many men calls because it's probably close you have to go up and look at it yeah but i mean it it doesn't it doesn't seem super clear and that's that's not a those are not two things that should both be really high you know you can take some aggressive penalties but not getting your change right so that you're always caught with too many men on the ice, especially after the previous night that almost cost you the tying goal. Like, how... Do they need, like, a a guy with a counter? (laughs) Just standing there? Like, like Brian's whole thing, you just need the Madden kid telling you when to call timeouts? We just need a guy with a a chalkboard that says how many people are on the ice all the time? But, so they... they, but But after having that breakdown on the early penalty kill like like you were talking about you know this one i thought michigan did a good job they got that moyle chance um a stop had to follow but then wisconsin really didn't get a whole lot they had a five on three michigan killed off back to five on four michigan killed it off you know they had like a shot that went high with a chance but nothing that was overly dangerous and and so you're thinking okay we might have escaped sort of some some of the danger um but then wisconsin really closes the period pretty well and and um, D. St. Fall again. So he has a shot on Portillo here, kind of coming in below the dot, and Portillo comes out and eats up the puck and saves it, and then Luke Hughes kind of comes, like, barreling into him, and I guess the the puck wasn't completely um, frozen yet, or, or Portillo didn't completely have it, because the puck kind of leaks out after he's hit by Hughes, and the puck trickles back behind him and then into the net. So D. St. Fall gets the goal, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really get a shot in the goal. He just gets a shot that is, I don't know, forced fumbled into the net. I don't know how you'd even describe that. Yeah, this was a very goofy goal. Um, <laughs> goofy is a good way to describe it. I, you never want, and this is this comes up with goalie interference calls and stuff. Like, as a defenseman, you do not check the forward into your play into your goalie. Yeah, <laughs> hit them from behind into the goalie, and you know part of this is that Portillo, as always. Even if he has it, he doesn't really have it. Sometimes. Right? Like, it's it's not, uh, you know, secured inside of him. If you pick him up and shake him, it's going <laughs> to, the puck's going to come out. Like with a crane? <laughs> like the claw in Toy Story that just, like, comes down and grabs him? Yeah. Um, 
Like that's the the story. Like obviously any goalie that gets hit like that's going to be in some problem. And but typically what you would see is the goalie goes towards the line and it's like where under him was the puck. Yeah, it's impossible to tell. But he gets hit and boom, it pops out and then it rolls in as he's rolling in as well. And but this wasn't even Hughes checking someone into the net or into the goalie. Hughes actually hit Portillo. Well, Hughes hits D Saint Fal, and then D Saint Fal goes wide and Hughes. Goes into Portillo. Goes into Portillo, but like it's it easily could have been reversed. Yeah, so it's four to two, and it's just like you said, just a goofy goal. And then like again, Michigan's sort of crease front, net front defense, not so great. As D Saint Fall gets a flip goal from in front, the puck kind of comes into the dangerous area from behind the net, and no one really ties up. D Saint Follies well enough, and he just kind of flips it up and over Portillo. It looks like Portillo's kind of lunging, diving for the loose puck, but he doesn't really get it, and D Saint Fall like goes high over him. Well, this is goal number two on the weekend, in which a Wisconsin player one v two wins a puck battle, <laughs> and uh, so he comes, you know, gets it free from the two Hugheses, and uh, the Wisconsin guy picks it up, wraps it around. Uh, Keaton Pearson and Mackie Samuskevich do not cut off the pass. And then Portillo has to do what he's got to do, which is take the near side post and pass right through him and easy goal. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to take away any passes at any point (laughs) during these games. Near the crease? (laughs) Like, we're not even talking about, like, in the neutral zone or, you know, not letting any team break out. But you're trying to protect the, you know, most sacred part of the ice for yourself. and. If um, Tony Granato is fired, uh, Michigan has got to go get uh, D. St. Fowl. Oh, out of the portal? Yep. I mean, if he leaves. Get it done. Will, will his Wisconsin credits transfer? <laughs> or will he have to leave them at Texas Tech? So it's 4-3 to three at the end of the second period, and it just had a different feel than it did a few minutes ago. I mean, Michigan was sort of... I mean, you went into that intermission saying, they're definitely blowing. The <laughs> There's no way it's not tied as like I, you couldn't You couldn't watch the first... What, 108 minutes over the previous yeah. game and a half to, to come away with that conclusion? I mean, So they get a couple chances coming out. Karanen gets a really good chance early, and then he dishes to Nazar, and Mo saves both of them. And, and Jared Mo looks like maybe he found his mojo and is keeping Wisconsin within range. The Badgers do get a breakaway, and Portillo shuts that down. You know, um, he didn't the night before. This one he did. Um, but at that point, it was too little for him because – so I, I'm interested in your take on this goal because I, I had my ideas. But so this shot – so on this goal, the tying goal for Wisconsin, the shot comes from straight away and it misses everything, hits the end boards and comes back and out in front. But the guy who gets the puck, I think um, was, it was at Bantle was the goal scorer. Brock Caulf- Caulfield, I think, got the puck off of the boards. But he doesn't have an angle. So Portillo comes out to face the shot, which I think is the right thing to do, to cut down the angle. But the shot goes so far wide that he's now out of the net. And the ricochet off the end boards comes out to Caulfield. And he somehow passes it parallel to the goal line through the crease to, I think it was Carson Bantle on the other side who has it. And he has to kind of, you know, make a nice move with his stick he might be coming around the back of the net and poke it in um you don't see a lot of like cross crease passes behind the goalie (laughs) i mean and i think it was it was it karen and 
who else was on the ice for that one? I, I wrote it down somewhere. I think it was Karen and and. It looks like Steve Holt. Holt, yeah. I mean, they were on the pair. He's large and he's got a right shot. So yeah, I would assume that's Holt. So they both, neither one of them are anywhere to be found on this. And I mean, I I I don't really fault Portillo because I think he's got to come out and, and take the initial shot. You know, he's maybe late getting back deeper into his crease, but you know, someone's got to tie up the two guys that are like right near each post, and you get an unlucky bounce that comes off of off of the end boards. Another kind of goofy goal, wasn't it? Well, you get the old Joe Lewis bounce off the end boards. Um, side note, one thing here. The shot is taken by Tyson Jugnoth. Yeah. And the announcers say Tyson Juggernoth. Yes. Would be a much funner last name. <laughs> you just, wouldn't you just change your name to that if that was when you're so close? Yeah. Um, but so I, I don't really fault Holtz and Nazer on that backside because they both are like, oh. Okay. Throwing their They're lunging. Sticks, lunging their sticks forward to try and knock it away. The the culprits here to me are Karen on the backside who gets boxed out mm-hmm. on, on the back door. But then also kind of Portillo. Because so he comes way out, right? And I, again you'd have to talk to goalie like technique experts. Yeah. Like typically what you would want to happen is he comes out, he turns his head, he sees the puck to his left off the end boards, and then he just sits there. And typically what you'd say is kick with your right skate and then slide over. To get back to the post. Get back over. Yeah. And he just, he just, he's on one knee, like just <laughs> watching the pass go through and not really doing anything about it. And then he finally lunges once the puck has already hit the twine. Yeah. And it's like, it's just this thing we've seen with him where like the recovery time is like shockingly long. It is like a little long, when he goes long, into yeah. the butterfly, it takes him ages to get back up. When he comes out, like, it takes him so long to get back. I just it's, don't remember that in the last year or two. No. And he's got fine reflexes going side to side if he's if he's facing yeah, he a change of sides. Yeah, he had that great save previously. Yeah, it's like, well, what are you doing? Like, get, you know, get, push off and get back. Yep. Um, but just a little unlucky. Not great from really anyone. But that's kind of what it takes is, you know, you just have everybody breaks down break down a little bit and... You get to give up a goal again, and you're right. There, at some point, Wisconsin was going to tie it, and it didn't take too long. Um, and then this is where Michigan, I thought, had their best power play of the night. Rutger gets taken down. They go on the power play. Um, Frank Nazer had a great cross ice pass to TJ Hughes and a good save by Mo. Um, and then you know Mo flashed the leather a la Patrick Waugh on Fantilli's. Fantilli's inside the dot this time. A really dangerous spot. Just whips a shot, and Mo gets across, and his glove goes high in the air, Statue of Liberty style, uh, just stoning Fantilli. That was, you know, it was a really, you know, for having kind of a goofy goal on the fourth goal, and maybe earlier you, you would have liked him to keep one out. You know, I thought Mo played pretty well in the second and third period, keeping keeping Wisconsin in it. Um, and then it's, so, so the game's starting to come to a close and, and you're sort of anticipating overtime at this point, but Steve Holtz has a chance walking right down the slot to win the game for two nights in a row. And you're like, it can't happen. This just cannot happen. And, and Mo makes a save on him. And you're like, oh man, like that would have been, I mean, Steve Holtz back to back winners. How much money would you have made? Had you bet on that? Uh, probably a lot, probably a lot. And then the, Frank Nazar's moment comes as, Dylan Duke sort of wins a battle and gets the puck deeper uh, back, not quite to the corner, but heading towards the corner. And Frank Nazar runs in and stick lifts 
the guy and then makes a really nice backhanded pass as Nolan Moyle is cutting to the net and he slips the puck high and over Mo and fifth year senior captain with the game winner. Yep, this is a originally it's a low to high pass and Michigan uh, has it intercepted and Wisconsin's trying to break out and it gets held in just inside the line. That was Duke. You can't really tell exactly you know like how that happened the angle they provided with us was not great mm-hmm. um but then it it you know squibs in and now all of a sudden michigan's got numbers down low and nazar makes the pass and then it's like oh we got we got the lead well the thing about nazar is like you know he came back i think this was his eighth game he scored that one goal against michigan state had an assist a decent assist on an outdoor game i think he had another assist against michigan state but you know, he hasn't been overly noticeable. You know, it's not a guy that you like, you see on the ice. And, you know, Brindley kind of was like that in the first half where, you know, you, you noticed him a lot. He wasn't scoring a ton, you know, his shooting percentage was down, but you noticed him on the ice with the puck making plays. And Nazer has not really been that since he's been playing. He's had a couple of moments, but this was a really, really big moment in a big time, made a really nice defensive play to force a turnover and, you know, would then with, you know, quite a skilled backhanded pass to Moyle um, in a big in a big moment. And it was good to see hit from Frank Nazer, who, you know, missed a lot of the year. And um, I mean, they're going to need him, right? Like they're going to need a third line going forward. And you know, when you get you start playing the really good teams in, in single elimination hockey. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been adjusting to the game and stuff. And so we'll look to see him kind of grow as we you know get in the next few weeks. Right after that, T.J. Hughes gets a breakaway, forehand, backhand, 6-4, to four, and the game is all but over. Mackie Samuskevich adds, adds an empty netter, and all of a sudden you look up and it's 7-4, and you're like, oh, well, here's another Michigan hockey game. What where... game was that? Was that the Penn State one that was like 4-2 to two and it was over, and then there were three goals in the last 90 seconds, like extra empty netters, and then Penn State scored? Then Michigan... was it, it was, wasn't it Michigan State? I can't remember. No, Michigan State games haven't been very high scoring this year. Let me. I, I'm. I pretty, thought Joshua scored a goal I'm like late. Pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's yeah, happened. It's this one, the Friday, the Friday game at Yost. Oh, it's like yeah. It was four to two Michigan. Then they got the empty netter to go up five to two, and I turned the TV off. And then there were three goals scored in the final <laughs> one nineteen. So it was a seven to four. A seven to three was the <laughs> seven to three. Oh yeah, because the football Cause score. There was another yeah. empty netter. Then Penn State scored. Then Michigan. <laughs> Well, my my whole thing all year has been Michigan hockey games don't end. But they so, just well, they look like they're over, and then more things always happen. This leads to my takeaway from the weekend. All right, I will read to you goals against numbers since January first. Well, this is not going to be pretty. Six, seven, two, four, four, three, four, two, four, two, three, three, four, three, two, five, four, three point six five per game. That's pretty high. Not great. No. Uh, if you look at the numbers in the country for the season, they are at 3.2, so that's a higher clip than the first half. Yeah. Right? If the average is 3.2, they must have been like 2.8 or 2.9 in the first half. Something like that. Uh, 3.65 across the full season would be bottom five. And that's counting Stonehill, which isn't a real team. So bottom four. <laughs> bottom four, yeah. Uh, the worst is Lindenwood at 4.4, then Anchorage at 3.7, which is what this would round up to if you wanted to round down. You have Air Force, Bentley, and Miami at 3.6. Not great. No. Now, the funny thing is they've won a lot of those games. 
They've yeah, because they they've just... Been, in terms of wins and losses, they've been a better team in the second half. Yeah. Even though these goals against outcomes have gotten even worse. And in a number of games, it's they're up big and give up goals. So it's not always that. But um, it's too many. And, you know, you're just not going to win a lot of 7-6 to six playoff games. They are allowing 33.9 shots against per game this season, which is tied for 7th most in the country. Yeah, and I bet the teams around them are not great. Here are the teams around them. See if we like these teams. Okay. Okay, ready? Stonehill, they don't count. (laughs) You want to guess how many they're allowing in their five games? Uh, 61. 47 points. (laughs) That's that's too many. So among the real teams, Lindenwood? No. Mercyhurst? No. Anchorage? I don't think so. Notre Dame? Oh. Probably not. I'm not going to make the tournament. We don't want to emulate them. That's true. Well, we don't have Ryan Bischel. Yeah. Miami? Uh, No. UMass? Well, probably not. Yeah, they're bad this year. Yeah. Uh, Bowling Green? Uh, Bowling Green, I think, had an okay year, but they're out, too. Ferris State? No. That's the top 10 Mm. around, and Michigan is in there. They're tied with UMass. Then after that, Northeastern, which is another Notre Dame. Bubble team that that might not make it, yeah. And then Lake Superior. Who we've seen. Yeah. Yeah, that's... It's just not going to get it done this time of year. I mean, you can survive those games against some teams for a short period of time, but, you know, that's not going to cut it against, you know, Denver, <laughs> let alone, you know, probably Minnesota in a week or two. They, they play Ohio State this weekend. I mean, like, those are – you're not getting five and six goals against those teams probably. What this season and to this point kind of – when I watched them play, it harkens back to, like, you're in hockey – before there were like systems like if you watch mid-1970s you know nhl games generally speaking the play is super ragged like there's no there's not a lot of structure there's not a lot of semblance goals just happen yeah and i've always felt that one of the reasons there was so less so much less parity in that time in part was because of there were no systems because it was completely based on skill right yeah when there is no structure no system no feel to the game talent wins out and that's what Michigan's gotten away with most all of this year. And if you could pick one team in the country to have no system or structure, it would be Michigan. They would be the team able to survive with it more than any other team. But eventually when the rubber hits the road and you play teams with, you know, a roughly comparable level of skill or slightly below, but that has a firm and enforced structure. Or just good defense. Then you can run into some problems. I mean, that's happening to them against Ohio State. It's happening to them against Notre Dame. Yep. And then you, you add a goalie who gets hot or is doesn't give up a ton of rebounds and it's just it just gets hard and the funny thing is I think that we kind of thought that going from Mel to Narado their systems would improve at least offensively uh, I mean I guess you know you can't really complain about anything offensively right don't they I think they lead the country in goals I don't know if it's goals per game I think they're just behind Minnesota like 4 and 4.1 yeah. something like at that Minnesota's 4.1 Michigan's so at like 4, four yeah. with QPEC and Western right but defensively, you know, and, and they have too. I think, in my opinion, they have they have too much experience. I now here's part of it, right? Is Truscott's out, and he's I think probably their best defensive defenseman. They pair him with Hughes. He has the most experience. Yeah, but I mean, like, is Truscott like prime Nicholas Jalmerson? Uh, probably. <laughs> like he's a he's a, he's a fine college player, but it's not like we're saying that he is like you know our Ray Bork. And he's playing 32 minutes per night when he's healthy. Like, no. You shouldn't have a – the dam shouldn't open up if you have one guy out. That's that's completely true. And, and 
I don't disagree with that. I think that that was, other than, say, Luke Hughes, that was probably the worst defenseman that could have gotten hurt for Michigan, though, because he's a guy that's going to get a lot of those penalty kill minutes, and he's also going to, you know, just be on the ice a lot, especially because if he's paired with Hughes, you know, they're just going to play 30, 25, 30 minutes a game. But, um, yeah, overall, though, it's, 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 you know, like you said, going into that Notre Dame series, like this is a team that struggles to score goals. Let's see if Michigan, it's not about winning the games. It's about, can they keep Notre Dame from scoring goals? And the answer was kind of, I mean, they did. Uh, they just also didn't score goals. So it didn't really matter. And this weekend was more like, you know, they're probably going to score goals on Wisconsin. And they did. But they also didn't keep Wisconsin from scoring. And Wisconsin has won one Big Ten road game all year. And they don't score goals. And, they, you know, they, they had to win that at, game. They don't score them at five on five. Well. And they did this weekend. Yeah. And, you know, I was looking at the stat that Michigan's won two games in regulation when they score. Was it fewer than three goals? Or was I think it, it was three, three goals? and fewer. Three and fewer? I Yikes. think that's what it was. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, you know, you got you got a chance against Ohio State next week to to do something, and you you know, if you win, you get Minnesota before the tournament starts. But you know, they're just going to have to be more sound in their own zone. That's there's just no way around that. I think that you know we're not at the point in the season; it won't be till after the season that we have broader Narado talk. But one of the big questions for him is going to be that if he is retained mm-hmm. and wants to be the coach next season, they are going to have to play with more structure. Because they won't be able to just talent over. Well, and they teams. won't have Luke Hughes. They will lose some. They'll still have plenty of talent. They'll yeah. still be one of the more talented teams in the country. But they're in a situation where the incoming class is not super great because you had some melt turnover, some other things going on. And there's going to be a little small gap. But you should be more than covered with guys coming back to be a good team. You would think so. But if you play this way with that roster, you might not. Because I'm sorry, you very, very likely will not have Adam Fantilli on that team. And you will certainly not have Luke Hughes on that team. Yeah, the Luke Hughes one is official. Well, it's a, as close as you can get. Yeah. All right, let's look at our old friends from this year. Um, it's probably the last week we'll get to talk about Lindenwood. They... Hey, Lindenwood, they died for the cause this weekend. <laughs> they were swept by the Alaska Fairbanks Nana. Your Alaska Fairbanks Nana. Yeah, you've adopted them this year, haven't you? Like you, like you would a, a like a dog from the pound. You went out and got a, a Nanook for yourself. They are eleven and one in their last twelve games, and they are now at ninety percent to make the tournament. I mean, they're going to make it unless like everything goes yeah. against them. I think. So thank you to Lindenwood. Thank you. Uh, our. BU was down uh, 2-0 to Providence on Friday, scored four in a row, and then uh, held on for a 6-4 win over the Friars. Um, Saturday, they get out of there with a, a 2-0 win, is a, a two-goal win, but this time 2-0. Uh, it looked like they were outplayed and outshot, but um, Camesso had a really nice performance, 39 saves. Providence trying to get back into it, and uh, BU just shut them down, got the two wins they needed. I want to put this on the record because we might – be seeing BU again. We'll get to that in a moment. But yeah. wow. we've already seen them. Right, seeing them again. Uh, wow, what a season for Lane Hudson. Yeah. Freshman defenseman, 12 goals, 31 assists for 43 points in 33 games. And that's more than Luke used last year? It's like very comparable. And, you know, Hudson was an interesting pick. He was back into the second round because he's 
super small. Um, but he's really lit it up, and the Canadians have to be very happy with that draft pick. Great player. Lake State uh, gets blown out by the Minnesota State Screaming Eagles 6-1, to one, and then uh, they lose 2-1 to one to That's it for them. Coach Hayden Fox, and the Lake Superior State Lakers season is, is over, just that, like, that was like Lindenwood. CCHA quarterfinals. Next, we move on to Western Michigan, who thumped a lifeless Miami 5-0 and then escaped 5-4 to four in overtime. They Actually, they were down 4-2 to two with under four minutes to go, pulled their goalie, and Max Sasson scored twice with an extra attacker on the ice. Yeah, uh, WMU is now the two-seed in the NCHC tournament, which will be starting this weekend. They will be playing a best two out of three in... Uh, Kalamazoo against Colorado College and Chris Mayotte. Yeah, who I believe lost to Denver. Yeah, they've been slumping in the second half, so that should be a quick burp for the Broncos. Uh, Harvard did not play. They are. They had a a bye in the ECAC tournament. And they will now play Princeton in the ECAC quarters. Are you you chuckling at Princeton? Yeah, they're they're not very good. They're not very good. That should be easy work for Harvard. So now we move on to the Big Ten Tournament, uh, where we had some pretty great series. Um, Penn State played Ohio State. Ohio State kind of pounded them 5-1. to one. They were up 4-0, and uh, the Buckeyes got a couple of 4-on-4 goals and a power play goal. Um, just not a great night for Soulier. Um That was a pretty even game in, in metrics, um, but not in goals. Yeah. Um, and then in, this, in Game 2, Penn State needed to come back. It was scoreless for a while until... Penn State scores to take the lead, and Ohio State answers um, with a couple minutes to go, sending the game to overtime, and Penn State pulls it out, getting their one win. So it's one-to-one before we headed to Sunday's Game 3. Did you see Sillier's stat line in that game? In Game 2? Yep. I did not. 55 of 56. Holy cow, that's many. That's uh, a Kyle, Kyle McClellan performance. Yeah, got shelled in that game and, and hung on. Which usually doesn't happen to them. No, not normally. And they're not from Ohio State. Ohio State is not usually. Well, they've been shooting a lot this a year. Blitzkrieg so. team. Yeah. Um, but then so game three, uh, Penn State scored first, but Ohio State came back and then added a couple on. You know, it was a weird game because Ohio State, I think, had two goals called back: one for goalie interference, one for some other review. Um, and you know they ended up winning three to one anyway, but it didn't it didn't really matter. I think you know they're probably the better team. You know Penn State kind of yeah. faded down the stretch, ended up finishing sixth, and you know they're still going to make the tournament probably as a two, maybe a three seed, depending on how things play out. But um, Ohio State win winning means that they'll come to Yost on Saturday night, six thirty, I believe, is is puck drop for that. Uh, that is not the outcome that I preferred personally. Um, <laughs> you know, I think we were sort of rooting for Michigan State to get into that spot if you could, if that could happen. Um, you know, Penn or Ohio State and Notre Dame have given Michigan some some troubles, but uh, they're going to see the Buckeyes for the fifth time this weekend. Michigan State and Notre Dame played in kind of a similar series. Notre Dame hung on to a one-zero slogfest on Friday to take a one-zero lead, and then got, I think, the first goal against Notre Dame on Saturday, but get, then gave up four in a row, and Michigan State hung on to win 4-2 to two to send the game to Sunday. So we had two game threes on Sunday, while Michigan didn't have a game three. That's kind of like a dream scenario, right? Where you're like, all right, you know, we get to get out of here early, and then we get to go watch everybody else sort of in these 
game seven, so to speak. And uh, Michigan State held on to take two of three in South Bend, winning four to two in pretty tight game. I think it was three to one Michigan State. Notre Dame gets one back near the end, and I think then they get the empty netter. Yeah, I was happy for MSU because... What? what? We don't say those things on these podcasts. They were the better team. Like, let's be real. Notre Dame had one goalie. Notre Dame was a bad team with a great goalie. They were not a good team. No, they were bad. bad. Just straight up. And if they had snuck in, it was because of one guy. Yeah. And they didn't deserve to be in the tournament, frankly. And, you know, I'm happy for MSU. They'll get their shot, get their crack at it. At Minnesota. Minnesota. Yep. I mean, they also had an empty netter that went, it was not quite the full 200-footer, but it was almost, and it went in off the post. Isn't that what, didn't Luke Hughes score from, like, basically his own end boards earlier this year on an empty netter? I think that was the Penn State game. That was one of the three goals you mentioned that was, like, tacked on after you turned it off. Uh, this is the first time since 2015 that Notre Dame will not be in the tournament. These, these were also... And that includes 2020, which wasn't a tournament, but they would have been in. Are they? Well, they made it, but they had to forfeit, right? No, that's the next year. I'm talking about the year that there was no NCAA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. were still going to be in that year. Yeah. Um, these were Michigan State's first two Big Ten tournament wins ever? Yep. Is that correct? Yep. Wow. And the Big Ten, I believe, first started in 13-14? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> well, at least they, they packaged them together the right way. Anyway. Uh, so you will have Michigan State going to Minnesota. You'll have Ohio State coming to Yost to face Michigan. Um, so, I believe Michigan, Ohio State is 6.30 on Big Ten Network on Saturday. Yeah, and then Saturday. The late game at 9 o'clock. Yeah, just one, just one game winner-take-alls. Uh, so let's do a quick pure-wise update. Okay. We've been a little bit. Um, so... There are three teams that are going to have one seeds. Minnesota, Quinnipiac, Denver. But Denver, I mean, even if they get swept in the first round, they're a one? Denver has a 1.2% chance of not being a one seed. <laughs> so, and an 86% chance of being three. So, okay. And Minnesota is at 78 to be one, and like it's like basically they have to lose to MSU and Quinnipiac has to win the ECAC. So Minnesota is in a very good spot to be one. Quinnipiac's in a very good spot to be two. Denver's in an almost certain spot to be three. So the, the fourth number one seed is up in the air, but Michigan has the inside track, 65% to be that, uh, that seed. And uh, really the only team with a realistic shot of snagging it away from them is BU. They have 19%. So we're rooting against BU. Uh, yeah. And if Michigan is not the four, they are likely to be five at 23%. So you've got an 88% chance that you'll be four or five. And the, the you know, tail distributions there are three and six. So Michigan's in this little range. Like, we know what they're going to be. Yeah. Right in that right in that little range. And then their most likely pairing, obviously, is BU. And if it's not BU, then it's probably Harvard. Those, Ooh. That... Unless, unless Michigan fell to six, and then they'd be with Denver. But more than likely, it'll be in that four or five with either BU or Harvard. I would prefer Harvard, I think. We've seen both of them. Yeah. yeah I'd prefer Harvard. Michigan won a really fluky like nine to two game against bu yep and harvard they were the better team both games yeah and they tied and won tied one yeah so uh you definitely cheer for harvard to win the ecac and try to move on up and cheer for bu to choke in the hockey east and And who do they face on or next weekend because that would be their quarterfinals right in hockey east yeah Uh, i don't think that tournament has started yet uh so there's a game this weekend this like midweek they play that midweek opening round really BC UMass, and then the winner of that plays BU. 
Well, because Maine finished ahead of both of those teams. Wow. In the standings. Somewhere Paul Korea is happy. As did UMass Lowell. So Lowell, I think, has a good goalie, I was told. Yeah, but I mean, that's a bad season for BC and UMass. Yes. Um, so that's that's the stuff with Michigan. If they're in that 4-5 range, it seems like to me that that would be in Manchester, New Hampshire. And the reason for it mostly being that Penn State, because of their loss to Ohio State, is now in this window where they're very, very likely to be in that 7-10 to 10 range. Mm-hmm. They have to be paired up in Allentown. Minnesota and Quinnipiac will not be in Allentown. Correct. So you then, if they're 8, let's say, to move, if, if you gave Michigan Allentown, you'd have to move Penn State from 8 up to 5 or from 9 down to 12. That's a lot of seed lines you're skipping. Yep. Whereas if you put Denver in Allentown, then you're skipping two lines as opposed to three. Mm-hmm. So it just makes a lot more sense to put them there. Plus, it's marginally closer for Denver, blah, blah, blah. That that one. <laughs> like well, and, seven miles. And here's the other thing. That 7 to 10 window is highly populated by Western teams. Mm. Ohio State, St. Cloud, Penn State, Western, Michigan Tech. So you're probably looking at like a pairing of Penn State and St. Cloud or Western or something like that. So you'd have three Western teams. Allentown is closer than Manchester for all those teams. It just makes sense to kind of, you know, Allentown is closer, obviously. It just makes sense to do that. Mm -hmm. Especially if Michigan's two is going to be an Eastern team, BC or Harvard. Manchester's a lot closer for that. So it just makes that, to me, looks like that'll probably be the, the way it goes. Um, things would have to really be shaken up. And then finally, on the bubble, uh, Minnesota State, 78%. Alaska, 90%. The true bubble is Cornell, 59 MSU, 37 And Merrimack, 34 um, Northeastern it basically has to bid steal, as does UConn, as does Omaha. Don't see any of those as super likely, but I think the most likely would probably be one of those Hockey East teams winning it. And that would be your bid stealing scenario. So there's a little bit of shuffling going on, but in my mock seating, if the tournament <laughs> started today, of course you have a mock seating. Are you Jerry Palm? They would be looking at four seed Alaska, two seed BU, and three seed Minnesota State. Uh, I like the Alaska matchup. Alaska matchup. As much as we love Alaska, that would be great. Yeah, I would love if they stayed. They are 13. Atlantic Hockey number two. Yeah, they played a schedule that was very much drawn up as a way to kind of game the pairwise and They're get into the Arizona tournament. State from a few years ago. Yep, and so if you could get them, that would be very, very nice. And as for BU and Harvard, like, look, we want Harvard more than BU, but in either way, you at least know what you're, you're getting. Mm-hmm. You know how it's going to match up. You've seen them before. You can make some changes. I, I'm fine with that. And Minnesota State, you know, I'm, I'm the big CCHA disrespecter as well as the ECAC, so... <laughs> I'm okay. Just disrespecting with them. half the conferences. In I'm okay with them. Yeah. All right. Let's go through Ohio State a little bit. We've done it two times already this year, but they're 2014 and three, 11, 11 and two in the Big Ten, tenth in pairwise, which seems a little bit low, but I guess they did lose those two games to Minnesota. Sixth in Corsi, which is not generally what you'd expect from Ohio State, but this year they have been a, a puck possessing shooty team. 21% on the power play, which is good. And then uh, 89% chance uh, on the on the penalty kill. And as you mentioned, the power kill is they also score like shorthanded goals like demons. You have to be careful there. Yeah, it's all about the neutral zone for checking to deny the entries. That's kind of been the key to their success. And then they have aggressive on puck pressure in the offensive zone. They have 
three drafted skaters, but really four because I, Halliday's eligible, right? He's the guy I think that that'll probably also uh, get picked. Uh, he got drafted. Oh, he was one of them. Okay, so maybe it's three, just three. They have three guys that are scoring yeah, over. Yeah, he was drafted. Three guys that are scoring over point seven five points per game. Um, not a lot of guys up there. They don't have a lot of guys with really great stats. Uh, Halliday's leading the team in scoring, um, but not quite like Michigan Minnesota scorey. But they they do get. They do. They did get a number of goals against Michigan the last couple times out. And then Dobish is having a nice year, 2.25 GAA, 0.92 save percentage, both pretty good. And Michigan is one, two, and one against Ohio State this year. Which, with um, one game they got pretty blown out at Yost. The other one they played pretty well and beat Ohio State at Yost. And then uh, in Col- in Columbus, I thought Michigan didn't play well but they had a 3-1 lead in the third period and it got away from them and maybe maybe it was a 3-2 lead in the third period they got away from them and then uh we all remember the outdoor game that just was good for a little while and then very not good after that you know i'm excited for this um is this uh are we reaching sort of football levels or not quite there yet no i mean i think this is a good you know if you're a coach i think you'd be excited about this matchup because you want to see your team get tested and you want to, you know, Ohio State's been a uh, a riddle that Michigan can't solve a little bit this season. And, you know, they get another crack at it. They get another chance to kind of adjust their approach and try to make some changes. And you want to see them rise to the occasion. You want to see your team play their best game and get ready to go. And I think this is the matchup that would make that happen. And this is why you work so hard to get the second seed is because you wanted to host this yep. game. Yep. You want to have... All of the controllables be controlled, have it in your arena, and you know, I think that if they don't get it done, I mean, that's that they have no one but themselves to blame in this case. Yep. Anything else you have? That this game will be at six thirty on what Saturday night. It's not a series; it's a one game, one off. We mentioned that, and they'll play on BTN, I believe, on actual television. So uh, the one note. To get on the record, also news from last time we talked, Eric Portillo's draft rights were, oh, yeah. were traded last week. Um, to they, the Kings. Yep. Sabres to the Kings. They got a third rounder back, so right back where they started from with him. And uh, I think that signals that he'll probably be signing with L.A. when the season's over. So. I would think so. I don't think yep. they would trade for him and then not sign him because then he would be a free agent. Yep. So. All right. Big game. Saturday night, 630. Hockey cast 5.19 for Alex Drain and David Nasternak. Come back next week where we will be either preparing for a championship game or Selection Sunday. Or both. <laughs> <laughs>